Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. We ready for the Word tonight? All right, let's pray. Dear God, we thank You for everything You're going to do tonight. We just pray that Holy Spirit, You'll speak through me. We pray that You'll speak into the heart of every person in the room tonight. And we just come to You with faith. We lean in for what You're going to do. We thank You for it, Holy Spirit. All the glory and honour to You in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Can I tell you about my day yesterday? So my amazing friends for my birthday this week made a little Saturday surprise for me. I had no, no information at all about this, but I get woken up at 4.30 in the morning yesterday and driven to the airport for a day trip at Dreamworld in Queensland. The best friends ever to exist. It was amazing. And so I get on the plane and I'm like still processing what's happening, right? Like I got lied to. I got told we were doing something different. I'm like, what is going on? Um, And so we're sitting on the plane yesterday and it made me realise, you know, those little things you have inside of you that just like get to you and you're like, oh, that's annoying, you know? It made me realise how passionate I am about plane etiquette. There are certain things, plane etiquette, right? Yeah, thanks, Pastor Red. Genuinely, there were these people like two rows behind us and they're playing music out loud. No, thank you, thank you. That's what headphones were invented for. We've got like people kicking our seats, like it was a great day, minus that like 10 minutes or so. (laughs) That's Jetstar, you know, what are you gonna do? But it reminded me of this time where the like worst plain etiquette I've ever seen in my life happened to me. It was a few years ago and a friend of mine, we were um, moving to London, so we were on the plane. And this is quite a long flight, right? Like this is a 24-hour flight, you're hoping to get some sleep, you're hoping to like really enjoy it, right? And so we get there and we've got a spare seat next to us, which is the epitome of blessing from God. And we've got a spare seat next to us and we're like looking, is anyone coming? No, they walked past. Thank you, Jesus. No, they walked past. No one comes. And then right at the last minute, this chick comes down and she sits in the seat next to us. We're like, it's okay. You know, she looks nice, you know. Um, And I personally think that the aisle seat has the most responsibility for plain etiquette. You are responsible for the bathroom breaks of the two people either side of you. You are responsible for letting them out to stretch their legs and you've got to be nice about it. So she sits down and before they even do the safety announcement, she puts on these big headphones, an eye mask, curls up like a burrito in this blanket that she brought and falls asleep. We have not even left yet. And so we're like, that's okay. You know, she's probably just tired. She'll wake up soon. An hour goes by, two hours goes by, three hours goes by. Is she ever going to wake up? Is she alive? She is not moving an inch. They bring out food. They turn out all the lights. They bring out food. She sleeps right through it. And so we finally go, there's no other option. We need to get out. We need to go to the bathroom. And so... I come up with this plan that we're going to jump her seat. (laughs) 
We're going to jump her seat. Everyone else is awake. It's fine. I was fine on the plane etiquette. I didn't wake anyone up. And so I grab either like the seat behind me and the seat in front of me and I lunge over her, right? And I stick the landing. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And then my friend goes to jump. Now, of our friendship, I would be the more coordinated one. And as she lunges, her foot clips this chick's headphones and like rips them out of her ears. And so, what, who already looked mad, she's death staring us being like, you are dead. And we're like, well, you know, you didn't understand your responsibility. You didn't understand the plain etiquette to let people out and not sleep for the eight hour flight. So the thing about this chick is that she didn't understand her position. And what's so significant about a season of prayer and fasting is we have to understand our position in the house of God. We have to understand the positions that God gives us. Now, there's this story in the Bible of someone else who didn't understand their position. Um, And it's called the story of the prodigal son. And a lot of you would know it, but basically there's this father, this gracious, loving father. And the youngest son comes to him and says, I want my inheritance now. I want to take it and I want to go live my own life. So he gives it to him. He goes, spends it on whatever he wants until he, he, there's a famine in the land and he has to come back. And he comes back begging to the father. And it's this beautiful story that demonstrates God's heart towards us. Because he runs to him, the father runs to him, puts on a party, gives him the best robe and celebrates the fact that his son has come home. But he also had a second son, and that's where we're going to focus tonight. The second son, the one that was obedient, the one who stayed home, the one that worked for the father, gets mad at the kindness of the father towards the the younger son. And he says, I've slaved for you. I've never disobeyed you. And you, you never did anything for me. But for this other son, you've thrown a party. And the father responds in Luke 15, 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. This son didn't understand his position in the father's house. He didn't understand that he was a son of the father and not a worker or not a slave. And so what he thought would happen is that he would just keep working. He would keep obeying. He would keep being good. And the father would then reward him. But not because the father was kind because he deserved it, because he'd worked hard, because he'd never been disobedient. How we perceive perceive our position in prayer is so significant. If we perceive it like this son, we see prayer as something that we just come to God and ask for what we deserve. We've been working, we've been slaving, we've been doing it all for Jesus. It determines what we ask for how we perceive prayer in our lives, how often we pray, how we view God towards us. There is such a significance in the position we come to in prayer. So the title of my message tonight, if you're taking notes, is Positions of Prayer. We're going to talk about three positions that God has given us. Position number one, it's children of God. So, I have this theory that the car that you first learn to drive on is the most iconic thing you will ever drive, right? And some people are like, you, you've got it burnt in your memory, the car that you learned to drive on. And you either come from a car family or a not a car family. 
I am, came from a not a car family, right? So we always had these like slightly dodgy, slightly like not really roadworthy cars. And so the car that I learned to drive on was this old white like Ford Falcon, like this thing was huge and it like barely ran on the best of days. And so I remember like a bunch of my friends had similar cars, like that was just our life, right? Like, um, and then one day me and my sister, we take our cousins for a drive. And we've got our two cousins who come from a car family. They come from a BMW family. They come from an Audi family. And so they're in the back, they're like 10 years old, and we've gotten them Slurpees, and they're like, where's the cup holder? Do you have TV back here? Why do I have to manually roll down the windows? They had this expectation of what a car should be like. And when we come in the position as children of God, we have this expectation of the Father's heart towards us. Matthew 7, 9 to 11 says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He is a good father. He cares about you. He cares about your life. He cares about the little details. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us good gifts. So when we come to him as children, we come with this expectation that he's a good father. We come with this expectation that he's going to bring good gifts into our lives, that he's going to bless us. When was the last time that you came to God and asked for something that you needed? That you prayed knowing the heart of the father towards you, knowing that he was there ready to bless you, ready to give you good gifts. Some of us are still driving around as a part of God's plan for our life in our Ford Falcon because we haven't asked for the BMW that we already have the keys for. So when we position ourselves as children, we start to walk around in life and we start to ask, like my cousins, hey, where's the peace of God that guards my heart and mind? Hey, where's the joy of the Lord? That's my strength. Hey, where's the healing for me and where's the healing for my family? Where's the salvation for those friends of mine? And we start to have this expectation. So we pray with an expectation of who God is towards us, of the heart of the Father towards us. The first position we take in prayer is as children of God, being expectant of Him as a good Father. The second is as co-workers with God. Co-workers with God. Has anyone heard that saying, like, if he wanted to, he would? All, all the girls in the room are like, yeah, yeah. This is what we say to each other, right? If he wanted to, he would. If he wanted to message you, he would. If he liked you, he would ask you out. If he wanted to buy you flowers, he would. And this was a large portion of my prayer life. This is what I used to think about God. If he wanted to work in that area, he would. If he wanted to do this in my life, he would. If he wanted to show his power in that way, he would. And so what I was understanding was the position of God. He's all powerful, all sovereign, almighty. But I missed the position he was putting me in. I was taking a back seat to the things of God. I was being passive. I'm here to be on the roller coaster. You take me where you want to go. I'm not really a part of this, but God's got it. And if he, if he wanted to, he would, right? 
But what I didn't understand was that God actually calls us co-workers. We are co-workers in the things of God. We are His vessels. We are His ambassadors and His representatives on earth. He doesn't want to just work around us. He wants to work with us. And so we get to partner with Him in prayer. We get to come to Him and say, we want to see your heaven on earth. We want to see your kingdom come. We want to see you work in the lives of the people in our church. We want to see you work in the lives of the people at our work. The most important part of being a co-worker in the will of God is that you need to be aligned to what that is. You need to be aligned to what you're working towards. You need to understand what the will of God is in your lives and the lives of people around you. So to be his co-workers in prayer, we need to first align ourselves to what his will is. Because have you ever had that co-worker that's just like has no idea what's going on? Um, and you're like, this is the vision. And they're like, no, we're going this way. <laughs> and they come and they do all this work and you're like, huh, didn't quite go in the direction we were going, but okay. And so this was like the second son, right? He was so misaligned with the purposes of God. He thought the purposes of God or the, of the father was if he was obedient, he would get rewarded. He had selfish motives. Whereas the purpose of the father was to bless the son that came back, was to show him that he was still loved and cherished, was to be kind whether he worked for him or he didn't. And that's what made the son a worker, but not a co-worker. John 15, 7 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Look at the authority that God has given us. Ask whatever you wish. Pray. Be my co-worker. Ask and see what I can do. But first, we need to remain in Him. His words need to remain in us. We need to come into alignment. We need to spend time in His presence. We need to see Him as the source of truth, as the source of our life. We need to meditate and learn the Word of God. We need to sit it and let it transform our mind and our heart so we can test and approve what the will of God is. We need to align with Him. In this prayer and fasting season, there are people in the room and it's time to start operating in the authority that God has given you. It's time to start operating as a co-worker. It's time to stop praying pretty prayers and it's time to say, I know what the will of God is and I'm gonna declare it. It's time to pick up your Bible and say, I'm gonna stand here and align with what the will of God is. It's time to find that Bible verse and start praying it over your friends and praying it over your family and declaring that you're gonna see the will of God come. It's time to stop saying, it's just not His timing or if He wanted to, He would. And it's time to say, no, I am a co-worker in the house of God and I'm gonna see His kingdom come. I'm going to be a part of what he's doing at Horizon Church. The second position that God gives us is his co-workers. Would we align ourselves and pray with the authority to be a part of his plan on the earth? The third position is as companions of God. (laughs) Sorry. The second son missed what I think was, his, was the greatest position in the house of God. The father didn't just say to him, everything I have is yours. But he said, I was always with you. I was always with you. And so often in prayer, we can be tempted to go to one side or the other, right? 
either we're over here driving around our Ford Falcon, if he wanted to, he would, and we're just happy and content being in our salvation with God, which is great. Or we're over here and we only think of what God can bless us with, what God can give us, and we miss the greatest blessing that we will ever have, that we get to be companions of God, that we get to walk with Him every day, that we get to talk with Him, that we get to be in the presence of God, that Jesus, the blood of Jesus tore the veil so that we can go into the most holy place. We can stand in the presence of God and we can walk with Him in life. When we pray from a position of companion, we don't have to say fancy words. We don't have to lie, spin the truth, look okay. A companion's honest. A companion doesn't have to ask or need anything, but can just decide to be in the presence. A companion listens. This is a two-way conversation. A companion builds relationship. And so when we pray as a companion, we get to come to God and just be in His presence. Tell Him about your day. Tell Him about what's bothering you. What role does companion prayer play in your life? When was the last time you prayed to God as a companion? Not for any purpose, except to walk and talk with Jesus. I remember a couple years ago, um, in a season where I was really wrestling with God for some breakthrough in my life. And around the same time, I started to feel what, if you've been around church in a while, we might call like a dry season with God. And it just meant that I was less aware of the presence of God. I found it harder to connect with Jesus. I found it harder to worship and I found it harder to feel where His presence was. doesn't mean He wasn't with me. just means... I struggled with that awareness. And as I was wrestling for this breakthrough, I remember getting to the point being like, do I even care about this anymore? This, this other area of my life. Because what I miss the most is being a companion of Jesus. What I miss the most was the friend that walked with me day by day. What I miss the most was opening up my Bible in the morning and feeling the presence of Jesus. What I missed the most was lifting my hands in worship and understanding how He loved me and the purposes He had for my life. The greatest gift we will ever receive is to be in a companion of Jesus. Would we focus in this prayer and fasting season, not just on the breakthrough, not just on what God wants to do in the lives of us, but drawing closer to Jesus, walking every day with Jesus, being more aware of His presence. The Father said to the Son, I was always with you. Let us be more aware of His presence in this month. I wanna give people in the room who have never made a decision to become children of God, enter the house of Jesus, be in relationship with Him, to just say a simple prayer tonight, to accept Jesus into their life. So if everyone would bow their head and close their eyes, it's just for privacy. If there's a stirring in your heart tonight, God's speaking to you. God's speaking to you. He's calling you home. 
Maybe I identify more with the first son who left his father. Maybe you've left Jesus and you're coming home. He's a good father. He's gracious and kind. He runs towards you as you make a decision to be with Him. So we're going to say this prayer and we're all going to say it together as a church family. But if that's you and you want to invite Jesus into your heart, I just want you to pray it directly to Jesus. You're not praying to me. Directly from your heart to His. So let's pray it all together. Dear Jesus, I believe in You. Come into my heart and be my Saviour. I receive Your forgiveness love and complete acceptance. I am now set free from my past. I take my place in your house as a child of God. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.